You're listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. That's me, your naturally platinum blonde pop culture connoisseur. I'm the reality TV junkie, self-improvement addict, and the host with only the hottest tea spilled fresh weekly. For more hot takes, go and give me a follow at Just Plain Zach because I always keep it funny and I always keep it cute. And if you're like me and you want to stay up to date with the latest reality tea, just give us a follow at No Filter with Zach on the Instagram or just join our private Facebook group. The link is in the description below. All right. I hope everybody had a very nice Valentine's Day. I spent the night with some pad thai watching the movie Valentine's Day, like just a, a basic, basic bitch. That's what I did. It's how I did it. And I have zero, zero regrets, zero regrets, everybody. So. Hope you all had a wonderful weekend, wonderful Valentine's Day. I hope for those of you that are in relationships, I hope you got laid or at least got somebody to cook you some dinner because you deserve it. Um, and if you're single, I still hope you got laid. And if not, then I hope a Postmates man came and delivered a nice hot, fresh meal for you. Okay. Love ya. Mean it. All right. Let's dive into it because we have so much to break down. I'm going to give you a little bit of a response to some of the Manson updates and responses that I've gotten. We're going to talk about this CISO Hotel documentary on Netflix because I have a lot of feelings about it. And then we're going to talk about Real Housewives of New Jersey and a couple of other little smaller updates. But yeah, because Jersey's coming back this week, this Wednesday, and I'm pumped and I'm ready for it. It looks like it's going to be juicy. That trailer was so good. And I cannot wait to watch this season. I was not able to get myself an advanced copy of the premiere, which I'm a little disappointed in my efforts with because I was just like ready to. I'm like, who does Brielle have to blow to get me an advanced copy of Real Housewives of New Jersey? Like, what's going on here? But, you know, we'll, we're, we're just going to have to all watch it live this Wednesday. And I was thinking, w- maybe we should do, like, an Instagram live. Maybe, like, Wednesday night or maybe even, like, a regular, like, Friday evening or Thursday evening because I feel like people actually have lives and have shit going on on Fridays. Um, but maybe, like, on a, a Thursday and we just, like, have, like, a 30-minute cocktail hour on the Instagram live at Just Plain Zach or maybe no filter with Zach. I don't know. You, you let me know what you think if you want to do an Instagram live with me where we break down. We do, like, a, a recap of what we just watched. I think that would be kind of fun. Okay. Uh, coming up later this week, I have if you've not, if you have not watched Bling Empire on Netflix, you are missing out on life. It's a really really good reality show on Netflix. Fairly new. It came out a few weeks ago. So good. Um, I'm having Cherie and Jesse from Bling Empire. They're going to be on this Wednesday's episode. And then next Wednesday's episode is going to be Guy Tang from Bling Empire. So if you have questions for Cherie and Jesse, or you have questions for Guy Tang, like about, you know, the penis pump that they found in Anna's bathroom, if you have any questions about that, definitely send them to me so that when I interview them for the upcoming episodes, I can make sure I ask them and give you a shout out. Because it's going to be good. And there's more Girardi stuff. I don't want to say what's coming up about the Girardi stuff. But there's some good exclusive stuff that's cut, that I'm going to be coming out with. With Mr. Girardi and his wife, Mrs. Girardi. And again, I don't want to... I was thinking about teasing it. I may have teased some of it in the Facebook group. And I was thinking about teasing it. But then I was like, no, I don't want any other podcasters to like jump on it ahead of me or anything yet. But just stay tuned. If you've been following the Girardi case, there's more stuff to come. And it's going to be good. It's going to be juicy. It's going to be tasty. But yeah, 
Cherie, Jesse, Guy Tang, all coming up on the show. Send me your questions. If you haven't watched Bling Empire yet, I highly suggest that you do so that you're ready for these interviews. All right, real quickly before we dive into the tea, I want to give you guys some shout-outs for the iTunes reviews. I have two shout-outs I want to give. First one comes to Asheville in Cooser. Asheville in, in I think that's Cooser, C-U-S-E-R. Yeah, Ash, Asheville in Cooser, uh, which has a very... Uh, this person is a tip for the people that were complaining that I talk too fast. Hey, Zach, love the podcast. I highly recommend for anyone looking for a super entertaining pop culture podcast with a heavy pinch of Bravo. Here's a tip for anyone critiquing based on the speed speech tempo. Just slow the podcast down. The Apple app allows you to slow any podcast down to half speed. The app I use Overcast, we aren't Overcast if you're listening to this on Overcast. Um, Overcast lets you play at three-fourths speed, which is perfect for slowing down a podcast without distorting the sound. For what it's worth, I'm used to fast talkers, so it doesn't bug me at all. Well, thank you very much, Asheville and Kuzer. I love it. I love you. I appreciate you. And yeah, if you think that I talk too fast, it's what it is. And I also need to say, because people in the comments are just like, oh, are you on Adderall? Or like, I'm not on Adderall. I've never taken Adderall. I've never taken cocaine. I just drink a shit ton of coffee. And I like to talk fast. It's what I am. It's who I am. Love me or hate me. There's even somebody on YouTube that loves to to call me Gilmar. I'm blanking on the name and I'm so sorry because I love you and appreciate you. But she calls me Gilmar because... I'm like a Gilmore girl and I talk really fast. Um, last shout out goes to No Drugs 70. Great podcast. Zach has great energy and is a pleasure to listen to. He's helped me get through my working from home days during quarantine. Well, thank you, No Drug or Nodrog. No Drug or Nodrog 70. Thank you. I love you. Love you guys. All of you. Okay, so a couple of quick updates before we dive into like the juicier or the meatier stuff. Brandy Redmond from Real Housewives of Dallas has welcomed a baby girl. This is her fourth child with husband Brian, and the baby's name is Brylin Mary Redmond. It's either Brylin, I think it's Brylin, B-R-I-L-Y-N-N, Brylin, which I think is a combination of Brandy and Brian, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe it just was a cute name that they liked. Either way, congrats, girl. Congrats, Brandy Redmond, on your baby girl. Very exciting time. Scott Disick is still putting his Disick in Amelia Gray, and we're all still very creeped out by it. However, he's now doing it with blonde hair. He has ripped me off and has dyed his hair blonde, but it's not like a great blonde. If you look at it, it's very yellowy blonde, and it's not quite as cute, but it's happening. And so, you know what, Scott Disick? I don't love it. Um, I think it's a little too young for you. I think, you know, anybody, like I don't know, Machine Gun Kelly kind of pulls it off a little good, uh, pulls it off pretty well, but... Scott Disick, it's it's not a cute look, and I'm not here for it. I'm also not here for you dating Amelia Gray. I'm going to continue to say that. I think it's gross. I think she's a little too young for you, and she could practically be his daughter, which is just, like, not a cute look, boo. I mean, it's not to say I haven't screwed guys that are much older, but you know what? It's all gross. Not going to lie. Okay, also, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and Real Housewives of New York have both wrapped filming. I should probably stop saying New York because I don't have like an actual New York accent. Real Housewives of New York and Real Housewives of Beverly Hills have both wrapped production, which means we can probably expect a season. What are we in February? So if we wrap in February, then March, April, May, I would anticipate we would get a new season probably by June, which is a 
probably around the time Real Housewives of, of New Jersey wraps. So this summer, we will have new seasons of New York and Beverly Hills. From what I've heard about New York and Beverly Hills, one thing that I think we may like if you've been a critic of Beverly Hills for the past two seasons is that there is no real common enemy. There's no gang up. There's no Lisa Vanderpump. There's no Denise. There are some rumors. I think these rumors were even put out by Garcelle herself that she was the target of this season. I don't believe she's the target of this season. From what I've heard, she's definitely not the target. There's a lot of little smaller issues and there's definitely beef and drama, but there's no one person that is getting gunned at throughout the entire season the way people felt happened with LVP and with Denise Richards last season with her bravo bravo fucking bravo 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 bullshit um yeah that's not a thing this season and I actually think it's going to be good because I also hear that Erica Jane is talking about this this divorce and she's talking about Tom Girardi how much TBD I know she's talked about it on camera I know she's talked about it in some of her confessionals so how much of it she's actually going to be diving into TBD Emily D Baker Baker said that there aren't many legalities or like issues with her like there's no gag reel on her so she should be able to talk about it so it's really going to come down to her own sort of discretion but like we can't like that's going to be that's clearly going to be a central theme and and storyline of focus for this season. And then in terms of Real Housewives of New York, from what I've heard about that, it sounds to be a very lackluster season. We have some new faces. Um, From what I heard, they sound a little forced, uh, which I'm a little worried about. I definitely think the show needed a mix-up. It needed some diversity. It needed some fresh faces. It needed all of those things. I just feel like this last season was probably a rushed attempt at doing that. And I hope it's not going to backfire. But from what I've heard, there's nothing really exciting that New York is going to deliver. I don't think New York was very exciting last season. It didn't really deliver much other than a bitter, bitter Dorinda, bitter Dorita and a, um, a sappy sailing off into the sunset Tinsley, which I was happy about. But we didn't really have a central theme, a real storyline, no real central drama other than, you know, Ramona thinking there's something wrong with Dorinda and Dorinda has an issue. But like, Again, I was very underwhelmed with this most recent season of New York, and I don't think this is going to get any better. Let's move on to Jax Taylor. Oh, hi, Jax Taylor. Are you still around? I thought we got rid of you like a long time ago. I thought we all got blocked by you and you like went back to living under the bridge you came from. Um, So Jax Taylor from or formerly of Vanderpump Rules is teasing a tell-all. He wants to do a tell-all. I don't know if that's a book. I don't know if he knows how to write a book. I don't know if he even knows how to read a book. However, he is teasing doing a tell-all, probably like an interview is what he is thinking he's going to do or like a YouTube video or I don't know. He does a a freaking tell-all and all he does is tell lies on his Instagram live like all the time. But he says maybe he's going to like wait another year or so. But he wants to do a tell-all because he's got nine years of stuff to talk about. Um, and apparently he has a lot of tea and he's like, no, nobody's going to be friends with me after this. And I'm just like, really, dude, really? Like you're still acting like you're 22 and your girlfriend just broke up with you. Like we're really playing this. You're like about to be a dad and you're 40. You're going to be 50 soon. Like, come on, old man. In the words of James Kennedy, I'm not calling Jackson old man. James Kennedy did. And I just, you know, pulled influence. But yeah, so that's happening. He's also saying that he's the one that wants to move to Kentucky and he wants to raise his child in Kentucky. And I'm just kind of like, really? Are we really buying that you're the one that wants to go to Kentucky and you're trying to convince Brittany that you want to go to Kentucky? Because I don't know if I actually believe that. But Jax Taylor, you do you, boo. Love ya. Not really. 
but you do you, boo. And best of luck to Brittany and the baby. He spoke very highly of his mother-in-law and like, good for them. I wish that anybody that's, you know, having a baby, good things, nothing but love, all to you. Stassi's been showing her baby off a lot on Instagram and her baby's adorable. So anybody that's, you know, Hopefully, they've all grown and can continue to grow and make changes. Jax doesn't look like he's continuing to grow. Jax doesn't look like he's had any growth other than, you know, the growth he gets from taking his little blue pills. But other than that, you know what, Jax Taylor, you do you. I'm fine if you move to Kentucky and we never have to hear from you again. I've already made my predictions of what I think are going to happen to them. And I'm talking like marriage boot camp and like all of those other Big Brother UK, all of those types of shows. We'll see. Um, okay, let's talk about Marilyn Manson. I, a little update on Marilyn Manson. I mean, there aren't too many, aren't too many updates other than I think Rachel Evan or sorry, Evan Rachel Wood posted on her Instagram story that I believe Brian Warner, aka Marilyn Manson, is being investigated now for uh, sex trafficking, which. I feel like maybe a bit of a stretch and like, look, I absolutely think we should hold people accountable, but I think when you cast the net too wide and I think you try to overshoot your shot, that's where you end up losing. And then it, it dilutes the actual, the other cases that are involved that are actually legitimate. You know, if you try to, to aim too high, I think it just, I think sex trafficking sounds like a bit of a stretch, TBH. If you ask me, I haven't seen any real concrete evidence of that. I think that there is definitely some abuse that has gone on. I think there are several people that have had sexual encounters or just platonic romantic encounters with him that, you know, have serious psychological damage as a result of it. And I think he needs to be held accountable for that. Absolutely. Should they actually do an investigation and find him guilty, which I am pretty sure at this point, I said it last week where there's smoke, there's fire. And I'm pretty sure they're going to find something because there are just too many pieces, too many instances, too many people that are coming out. There's a lot, there's a lot more here. And we've only, I believe, seen the tip of the iceberg. However, I think you need to be careful with overshooting your shot because then that's when, once he gets cleared of something like that, then it starts to look like the the charges are a little ridiculous. I'm not saying that they are, but I'm saying that that's what it starts to look like because now it just looks like you're going a little too hard. And again, you should always be held accountable for your actions. But I think, you know, in this case, let's, we've just seen so many people like him get away with awful stuff. I mean, we get away with crimes and and uh, get acquitted of stuff that they should absolutely be held accountable for that I think you just, you have to tread lightly. And unfortunately, that's just where we're at. And that's just how our judicial system works. Otherwise, you find cases where people that should have been held accountable get out on technicalities or loopholes or, you know, we just have to be careful. There are also a lot of people in the comments or that have emailed that have said that they believe that there's some sort of connection between Evan Rachel Wood and Amber Heard. Amber Heard, if you'll remember, um, there was she had all of her controversy controversy with Johnny Depp, who she said was abusing her and saying that he was beating her, only to find out through audio tapes that were leaked of her admitting that she was actually the one that abused Johnny Depp. And so people are saying that because Amber Heard and Evan Rachel Wood happened to be friends, that this is probably some bigger conspiracy, you know, to come after Marilyn Manson after they failed to take down Johnny Depp, even though they kind of did take down Johnny Depp. Um, I think I briefly covered the Amber Heard and Johnny Depp stuff when it was first happening. Um, 
I think Amber Heard should absolutely be held accountable. I think when you make false accusations only to find out that you're the abuser, and it's not like it's these are rumors or speculation. Like I heard the tapes of her actually admitting to hitting Johnny Depp, and we don't really have any concrete evidence that Johnny Depp was ever hitting, hurting, or beating her other than acting in self-defense when she was hitting him. So... I definitely, you know, I, I think that Amber Heard should be held accountable. I Do I believe that there's a conspiracy with Evan Rachel Wood to take down Marilyn Manson? Mm, I don't know if I believe that. Um, I know that Johnny Depp and Marilyn Manson have had a close relationship in the past. I believe um, he's a goddaughter to Johnny Depp's daughter. So I know they're close. But again, it just it feels like there's a bit of a stretch going on here. But I just felt like it was important to acknowledge it because a lot of people brought it up in the comments. A lot of people brought up Amber Heard in the comments. A lot of people DM'd or emailed me about Amber Heard and the perceived connection that she has to what Evan Rachel Wood is doing right now. Um, I mean, Amber Heard came out and said that Johnny Depp was was abusing her. Marilyn Manson has several people that have come out, um, exes that have support or that are speaking out in support of the victims. So it's a little harder to believe that there's some sort of conspiracy against Manson um, when there are so many people that are coming forward with very specific details, timelines, events that um, allegedly occurred. And, you know, I think there's going to be a long road ahead for Marilyn Manson. And I actually don't think that he is going to be found too innocent. Um, You know, another thing people mentioned in the comments, which I have to agree with, is that in our country, everybody is innocent until proven guilty. So anytime I cover any of the news, it's not to necessarily slander or defame anybody's character or reputation. It's really just to kind of present where we're at. And I thought my outline of the Marilyn Manson case last week, I thought it was pretty objective. Um, And I thought I covered a lot of different pieces, asked a lot of good questions, put in my own theories, tied in some of my own experiences. Um that I felt were relevant. And I think I don't feel, I think I covered it pretty thoroughly. There'll probably be more to come and I'll continue to cover the case. However, a lot of people, the the part that I had issue with was there were a lot of comments and people that were blindly just supporting Marilyn Manson. And they're the ones who are just like, oh, Amber Heard's part of the conspiracy. And oh, innocent until proven guilty. And yes, that is how our country is. This isn't a country where people are guilty until proven innocent. We're all innocent until proven guilty. However, you can't just blindly support somebody and discredit or disclaim other people's accounts of, of of sexual assault or abuse or mental and, and emotional abuse. Like you can't just discredit that, which I found a lot of people to be doing. And I think that's awful. And I think that that's completely irresponsible of you to just blindly think that this man has no fault. Like when there is a lot of, um, you have a lot of different accounts. And I think, you know, you can't just blindly support him. Yes, he's technically innocent until proven guilty, but you also need to have some some form of, form of grace period where we allow an, an investigation to actually take place and we allow these accusations to be uh, looked into. And then, you know, afterwards, if you after there is a, a trial and, you know, whether he's acquitted or found guilty or whatever the case may be, 
then you can make your judgment after you've seen all of the pieces come to light. And then you can say, oh, he was wrongfully accused or, oh, no, actually he's innocent or no, he is actually guilty. That's when we're able to make that decision. We can't make that yet. We have to believe the survivor. We have to believe the victims. We have to believe people that are coming forward with their story because that takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of courage to come forward with those stories and to come forward with, you know, the allegations that they've made against him. And if it's all, if all seems to pan out, then that experience is awful for what they had to go through. So yes, we should absolutely stay objective at the, believe that there's a lot more to be investigated, believe that, you know, the, the trauma that these victims have suffered is real, but this is something that is definitely going to be ongoing. So please don't come in my comments and try to, you know, blindly defend him or get upset with me for making one comment that you think was taken out of context when there was a, a whole 60 minute episode that was put out that really dived into all of it. And if you're going to drag me for one comment being taken out of context, which was the comment about him smashing or claiming to smash a perfume bo bottle in his mother's face and wanting to choke her, which he wrote in his book, like... Don't come to me with your bullshit. I ain't got time for it. Okay, I do want to talk about the CISO Hotel documentary, which is on Netflix, um, The Vanishing of the CISO Hotel, which goes into the disappearance of Elisa Lam, who was a... Um, she is an Asian woman from Canada who traveled to Los Angeles, stayed at the CISO Hotel, and then mysteriously disappeared for anybody that had that isn't familiar with the story of Elisa Lam, that isn't familiar with the CISO Hotel, which is here in downtown LA, which is where I live. Um, if you're not familiar with the hotel and you want to watch the documentary, there are going to be spoilers. So I, I suggest you fast forward right now and kind of skip ahead so you don't hear what has to come, what is going to come. But um, so it is the case of Elisa Lam came to visit Los Angeles, stayed at the CISO Hotel, which has a very dark reputation and history dating back to the Great Depression, um, multiple suicide attempts, murders, uh, serial killers like uh, Jeffrey, or sorry, um, the the Night Stalker, Rami Richard Ramirez, not Jeffrey, Richard Ramirez. He was, you know, rumored to have stayed there and rumored to have come home after murdering his victims with blood on his clothes and, you know, it just has a very dark history. There are even rumors that the uh, the Black Dahlia stayed there or was at the hotel before she ended up getting murdered. So there's just a lot of darkness surrounding that hotel. I watched the documentary. Um, I would give it maybe a 6 out of 10. Now, I'm familiar with the CISO Hotel. When I moved downtown, a lot of people were like, oh, did you hear about the CISO Hotel? And I'm not far from the CISO Hotel. Uh, but I have heard a lot of the rumors. I have heard, I have, you know, Googled it in the past. I looked into Elisa Lam's, um, I looked into her story. And it is, it was a little troubling. A lot of people thought that she had maybe been possessed. So she was staying at the CISO Hotel and then there was video footage of her acting very erratic. It looked like there, she had maybe been possessed or maybe had some side, some sort of psychotic break or somebody had been there and was chasing her. The footage, the cameras in the hotel are very spotty. So not everything was caught on camera. The only thing that was caught were was the footage from the actual elevator that she was in. The elevator seemed to have not moved or gone anywhere where she seemed to be like very afraid and hiding and just acting very strange and doing like very strange movements and looking outside of the elevator as if somebody was there or as if she was communicating with somebody. Um, and then right after that elevator footage, 
she seemingly just disappeared. And then 19 days later, they end up finding her body in the septic tank on the roof. Police did an investigation. Um, if you saw the documentary, I don't need to recap it for you. If you want to watch it, I suggest you go and watch it. It wasn't that great. I'll tell you that right now. I thought it was way too long. I thought four parts was unnecessary. Um, I think you could have told it in one really good long 90-minute part. I thought you could have maybe even told it in two parts. Or if you really wanted to stretch it, fine, three parts. But I thought four parts was completely unnecessary, especially because it was only Elisa Lamb's case. I thought because it was four parts... Excuse me, I had a burp. Um, I thought that because it was four parts that there was probably going to be other context added into it or we were going to dive into the history or the other murders and suicides and we were going to dive into more of the cases other than the Elisa Lam case. I was just very disappointed with how it ended. I thought the first episode, if you weren't familiar, has a lot of good background info. Two and three were, I think, the best parts of the documentary. A lot of it was very repetitive. A lot of it was very dragged on. Um... And I just thought the ending was a little too perfect and it was a little too cookie cutter considering the first three parts of the documentary are really trying to dive into what actually happened to her. Was she haunted? Was it a psychotic break? Was there somebody there that actually, you know, did something to her and put her in the septic tank? There were just so many unanswered questions that I feel like in the end still weren't actually answered. Like, how is it that when the police went to investigate, they found no trace of her on the rooftop? How is it that nobody noticed that the septic tank had been open for 19 days and nobody thought, hey, maybe we should look in there because it's open. Um, how were How is there no other security footage, whether it be in the hotel or outside of the hotel, that caught her climbing on the fire escape to get to the roof? How did she get to the roof? How did she know to take the fire escape to the roof? What made her go into the septic? Like there were just so many pieces of like how, then there were all of like the human clerical errors of like them marking it as, as the, the coroner marking it as unfounded. Like they didn't know how she died. And then all of a sudden changing it and be like, oh no, we're just going to mark this as an accidental death as she just, you know, found she happened to not be taking her pills and happened to find herself climbing up the fire escape and just happened to end up on the rooftop and just happened to jump into the septic tank. Like she just this all just, you know, happened to happen because she stopped taking her pills and just had a psychotic break. Like it just and she was just at, you know, the the last bookstore a few hours before she disappeared. So how is it that she was able to go to the last bookstore have a full-on conversation with the woman at the bookstore, have her books delivered, receive the package, take it back up to her room, and then all of a sudden, within a matter of hours, she just had this this crazy break. I mean, maybe it's... Well, they, the toxicology report claimed that there, was, there weren't any drugs in her system. They also don't... Or, unable to confirm how long she was actually in the septic tank. Like there were just too many unanswered questions. And, and then there were, I understand all the conspiracy theories were a little crazy, but like, I don't know. I just felt like there was a lot more that could have been unpacked there other than been like, oh no, all of these other random coincidences just happened to be random coincidences. It just all happened to be a strange series of random things that don't really make sense. You know, yes, it seemed to be, it looked like it could have been a murder inspired by a movie, but we just didn't investigate that anymore. Or yes, there could have been some sort of government conspiracy with the leak of tuberculosis because, you know, the... 
it was named after her. Like there were just so many unanswered questions. I was just like, but we never got closure to any of that stuff that you introduced us to. You just like your whole case is like, oh, well, by the way, we happen to find out that the, the septic tank was just open this whole time. And she took off her clothes. Probably she took off her little sweater and her tank top because she probably thought it would help her float if she'd removed the clothing. Like it was just so I don't know how you felt about it watching it. It just felt like the ending, like it was a little too perfect. It was a little too cookie cutter. It left so many other questions unanswered. It didn't feel like a real ending. And there were just too many loose ends and too many coincidences that were never fully addressed. And I think I think there may have been, I still kind of believe that there may have been some sort of cover up within the police department and the hotel. And it's also a little too convenient that the documentary happens to come out the year that the CISO hotel is supposed to be reopening under new management, under a new name, like that the construction on that is supposed to be completed this year. And I believe they're planning on opening it by the end of this year. I've seen it. I don't know if that's a realistic timeline, but I keep seeing that get getting reported online. So I will just say that that's what's being reported online. Again, I don't know if that's actually realistic because it takes a really long time for them to build things here in downtown LA. I'll tell you that. And um, I don't know how realistic that timeline is. I also don't know if I would necessarily want to have drinks on the rooftop where her body was found. But... Yeah, I thought they're they're a little it's a little too convenient that we happen to clear up this mysterious disappearance and you know it happened to come out on Netflix and everything's just kosher and, and peachy keen right in time for the the reopening of this hotel and building. I don't know how I feel about it, but let me know. Watch watch the documentary. Let me know what you think. If you haven't watched that, or if you have watched it, let me know what you think. We've had we've opened up an interesting discussion on the the private Facebook group. Link is in the description. Now let's talk about New Jersey, Real Housewives of New Jersey. Melissa Gorga has been coming out and doing interviews, and she's basically saying we're getting ready for the the premiere, which is where there's going to be this big blowout between Teresa and Jackie. There's been an exclusive first look that's been surfacing. Um, Basically, Teresa brings up allegations that Evan, Jackie's husband, has been cheating on her, which is going to be one of the biggest pieces of this season is their drama and what Teresa says about Evan cheating on or stepping out on Jackie when he goes out, when he steps out to the gym. But Melissa Gorga has been doing press and she is saying that or she's hinting and teasing and and insinuating that her and Joe or actually not even really insinuating. She's full out coming out and saying that like her and Joe are having marital issues that they are growing apart, that she married him when she was 24 and she's changed. Now she's 40. She can't stop telling us that she's 40 and how 40 is fantastic and she looks great and she has a great body at 40 and we're like, we get it, you're 40, Jesus. Um, She's saying that they are having marital issues, that they are having a rocky time, that it's going to be shown on the show, but they're fighting to stay together. They want to stay together. She's not going to be moving out anytime soon, but they're trying to work on their marriage, but it's very difficult. I don't know. At first, I was like, oof, I don't I don't think they're going to last. I think she's become a little too self-absorbed. She loves the fame. I think she's also super independent. I think when she met Joe and she married him when she was 24, she was fine being a stay-at-home wife. She was fine being a stay-at-home stay at home wife. And similar to like what I said about Erica Jane, where I think at first she was fine 
wanting to be with Tom and playing that that role of the arm candy and being his wife that, you know, is there for him when he needs her, like, to make appearances and stuff. But eventually, once she kind of had her own independence, once she no longer needed him, needed him once she was making her own money. I feel like it was just time for her to move on. And I feel like that's what's going to happen with Melissa Gorga. I think she is reaching a point where Joe wants a traditional wife. He wants somebody that, that's going to be barefoot and pregnant and cooking dinner for him every night. And Melissa's just not that anymore. She's like, I want to be single. I want to go out. I'm a business owner. I've, you know, I'm making money moves. I'm bringing in the bacon. I'm bringing, you know, I have housewives. I have envy. She has all of these other opportunities to bring in an income to their household. And I think she is really loving that. And I think Joe's having a really hard time with that. And I think she's become a little too addicted to the fame. And so at first I was like, Ooh, I don't know if this is actually going to last. I don't know if they're actually going to make it. But then it was something that Joe Judice actually said recently in one of his interviews about how her and Joe are always faking these storylines and they always have these fake storylines with, you know, her long lost sibling that she was trying to find and then her wanting to become pregnant and have another baby. And a lot of these storylines do seem really forced and they do seem pretty fake. Um, and I think this, dare I say it, may actually be another one of those fake storylines. Because it's like, why go into interviews and blast your marriage, especially if you're trying to work on it? If you're trying to work on it, why would you go and open up your relationship to more um, rumors and speculation and people putting in their opinions and people, I mean, as of right now, I just put in my opinion and it's because you've opened up that door by coming forward and being like, we're having a tough time. We're having a rocky marriage and, you know, we're trying to make it work. I feel like if you're trying to make it work, then go and try to make it work and then come forward either if it works or doesn't work and talk about how we tried, we did this, we did that. It's documented on the show and this is what the result needed to be. But if you're trying to work on your marriage, you don't necessarily go into interviews and open up about your marriage not being in a good place unless you're trying to set the stage for having a rocky marriage on the show all season and what a great storyline for in the end to be like oh and we made it what a surprise we worked hard you watched our journey and we made it we happened to get through in the end i don't know melissa gorga i don't know if i believe you sister well, I am excited for Real Housewives in New Jersey, which is coming out this Wednesday, and I am super stoked about it. All right. Thank you guys for listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. Again, I have Cherie and Jesse and Guy Tang, all from Bling Empire, coming up on the show this week and next week, so send me your questions for them. I suggest binging Bling, em Bling Empire so we can talk more about it is good. And I'm ready and I'm excited and I'm excited for Jersey and I'm hoping that New York doesn't disappoint and I'm hoping that Beverly Hills is a lot better this season and I think it actually will be. But let me know what you think about Manson. Let me know what you think about the Cecil Hotel documentary if you've seen it. I don't really care to know what anybody thinks about Jax Taylor because I don't really care what I think about Jax Taylor because I'm getting kind of tired of Jax Taylor and I don't even know if I'm going to cover. I don't think I'm going to cover him on this show anymore. But thank you guys. Please send me more ratings and reviews. I really, really appreciate them. If you are on YouTube, I highly suggest subscribing so you can watch videos and full episodes at youtube.com slash Zach. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify. Um, if you think that I talk too fast, then go on Outcast or, or sorry, Overcast and you can slow me down. All right. Well, actually, you can't really slow me down, but you can slow me down my voice just a little bit. Come on, baby girl, just a little bit. Thank you for listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. I will talk to you guys this Wednesday with Cherie and Jesse from Bling Empire. Okay. Bye.